This wide receiving core is quietly one of the deepest and most talented. Donovan Peoples-Jones last year enjoyed a breakout season. David Njoku rebounded in 2022. Um, they traded for Elijah Moore and signed Marquise Goodwin this offseason. The Wag Me Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Colin Garini and Nick Musto. Okay, so we went through coaching changes last week. There was like 13 of them impacting fantasy football. Covered them pretty thoroughly. Nine quarterback changes on Tuesday's episode. Um, so the, those were impacting fantasy football. A couple of other changes we could have maybe mentioned was Desmond Ritter uh, taking over Atlanta. We just got a small sample size of them. San Fran's quarterback room is always changing. You don't know if it's Brock Purdy or Trey Lance or whatever. Josh Johnson. Yeah, exactly. So two more teams that we could have included in that episode, but we didn't feel like warranted uh, inclusion. And so today we're going to talk about offenses that are going to be rising or falling for fantasy football. Um, some may overlap with those other two. For the ones that overlap, we'll just skip over to the teams that are experiencing organic growth. Start with the risers. Two teams experiencing meteoric inorganic growth because of quarterback changes already mentioned in the previous episode. The Jets and the Saints, obviously, they get the big ticket, big name offseason moving quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr. Um, but it's not really natural growth. So if you want to hear more about those teams and how they're impacted by those quarterback changes, uh, listen to the last episode uh, on Tuesday. And the timestamps will be in the show notes. Let's get to this episode. Yeah, the first team that we're going to start with here is Cleveland. Um, actually, we have two teams in the AFC North. But yeah, let's start with Cleveland. Um, the Browns were 18th in scoring last season, 38 total offensive touchdowns, um, 14th in total offense. Um, they were definitely carried by their rushing game, uh, 147 rush yards per game, ranked sixth in the NFL in 2022. Um, only 218 passing yards per game, which ranked 23rd in the <laughs> NFL, um, which was still above the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore. I had, I had to throw that yeah. comment in. Just a little jab to start the episode. Um, but no, Deshaun Watson's return last year actually negatively affected this team. Uh, with Watson, they averaged under 300 total yards per game and 184 passing yards per game. Whereas when they had... Cleveland had Jacoby Brissett commanding their offense. They averaged 377 total yards per game and 237 passing yards per game. So 50 more passing yards with Brissett than Watson and nearly 80 total yards uh, per game uh, between the two quarterbacks. And I think the biggest catalyst for Cleveland's offense working in their favor for 2023 is Deshaun Watson settling into this offense because we aren't questioning the talent of Deshaun Watson we aren't saying that uh, Jacoby Brissett is more talented than him, but it's hard to take over an offense in week 13. And uh, Watson and Amari Cooper, the Cleveland's bonafide wide receiver one, uh, they struggled to get on the same page. They completed just 21 of 39 targets over the last six games, although they did average 17 yards per reception. So that's a silver lining there. 
Yeah, uh, with a full offseason, we're hoping for less distractions in Cleveland. Of course, whatever was on everyone's mind last year, and including the quarterbacks, was the quarterback situation off the field. Um, we're hoping that this year that will sort of be mulled over and this team will have less focus on that and more focus on football. And I think that will definitely help the success of this offense as they do have the skill pieces needed. Um, this wide receiving core is quietly one of the deepest and most talented. Donovan Peoples-Jones last year enjoyed a breakout season. David Njoku rebounded in 2022. Um, they traded for Elijah Moore and signed Marquise Goodwin this offseason. Um, this is a really quality skill set, not to mention Amari Cooper, who's just fantastic. I know you mentioned him, but while I'm talking about the receiving core, we might as well throw his name in there. Um, one of the best receivers in the NFL every season he's been in the league. I really hope that this this will be enough for Watson to rebound and produce a fantasy potent offense. I think it will. And they did add a wide receiver in the draft. Uh, I'm blanking on it. Yeah, That's, I'm blanking too. Um, but also on a side note, look that up for me yeah. uh, real quick. Um, but it's worth noting that Jack Conklin, the two-time all pro offensive tackle on the Browns was still recovering from a patellar tendon tear. Um the previous year and he missed part of the preseason. So now that he's a full year removed from the series injury, it's going to work in Cleveland's favor. Cedric Tillman. Okay, cool. Yeah. Second year uh, Tennessee guy. Second round or maybe third round. Uh, I think it was third. He was third round. Yeah. But still quality addition to their receiving core. One of the better skill set groups in the league, in my opinion. Yeah. Let's stay in the AFC North now. Um, Baltimore Ravens were 16th in total yards in 2022, second in total rushing um, in 2022, averaged 5.2 yards per carry as a team. Um, Lamar Jackson missed five games. They still put up this fantastic rushing total. Um, they lost a receiver in Rashad Bateman, who was injured after the first six games of the season. And then they had J.K. Dobbins come back early for, I think it was three games, then had reconstructive surgery on the knee in the middle of the season came back balled out, but he was out at most of the season. Same with Gus Edwards. Yeah. I mean, this team was just decimated by injuries all of 2022. It's hard to lose your top wide out, your RB one and Lamar Jackson, the centennial figure of your offense. Uh, I'm expecting this offense to be much more pass heavy with the new offensive coordinator, Todd Monken. We talked about him in our court, or, uh, coaching changes episode. Check that out if you want into finer detail. But to summarize, Monkins, the uh, former play caller for the Georgia Bulldogs, won back-to-back -back national championships with them, averaged 472 yards per game during his tenure there, um, 40 points per game. And he coached OBJ in Cleveland's offense in 2019. It was Odell's last 1,000-yard year. Um, so the addition of Monken is definitely going to open things up for this offense. They also drafted Zay Flowers. Um, I think this receiver in court is a lot. It probably experienced the biggest growth year to year. Yeah, I agree. I think that they, especially with Lamar settling in, I see you have a note here. Um, is well, can a, I ask this? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Lamar's a happy man. He got paid. He got his receivers. Is this a tough pill to swallow, Nick? Uh, all your Steelers prejudice aside for the first two teams, I'm impressed. You know, I thought you were going to turn red or blue or something talking about these two teams. So how it, do you feel? It doesn't make me happy, but I also thought that we should have included the Steelers in this segment. 
I think that they are going to be an improved offense. I agree. A, a help their their offensive line. They added Broderick Jones in the first round. Um, they got some little from the Eagles. I can't say his name. He's Hawaiian, um, but he's a very good lineman. So we <laughs> we have two two very important pieces added to the line, which was our biggest issue last year. Darnell Washington's good concussion Darnell, insurance on yeah, uh, Pat, Pat Pryor. Pryor move. Um, Najee Harris healthy, Alan Robinson. Robinson to the team, Kenny Pickett in hopefully settled in this season. Not to mention Kenny Pickett over the last since the bye week in week 10 had the third highest QBR and second highest passer rating in the NFL. Definitely settled in. Okay, so, that, that's our Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, <laughs> we had them in. yeah, we had I, them in. I do agree. This is going to be an offense improved. Uh, they've been just downright awful to watch, like they're the most painful. NFL team to watch on Sunday. Yeah. And I'm so glad that their offense is getting better because that's all we can see living in the middle of Pennsylvania. Uh, Pittsburgh's on our TV every weekend. It so it's necessary. Hoping it's better. Let's go to the Giants. Yeah. Um, 18th in total offense in 2022, 15th in scoring. Um, let's talk about Mark Dable here. His trajectory. Brian. <laughs> Mark Dable. Uh, Brian Dable. Who's Mark Dable? I, I don't know. Maybe an actor or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> his first year as the offensive coordinator in Buffalo 2018 granted Josh Allen's rookie year. Um, so it wasn't the greatest and no Stefan Diggs. Buffalo ranked 30th that season. Um, 25th in 2019 top three in 2020 and 2021. Um, he is the coach of the year for a reason. And there's no reason to think the giants will reverse course. I think that they get better. Yeah. And they traded for Darren Waller. This offseason, they signed veterans Paris Campbell, Jamison Crowder to their receiving court, which might not stand for much, much, holy shit, but it, it is still better than Kenny Galladay and Isaiah Hodgins from last year. Wandale Robinson flashed in his rookie year that ended short because of an ACL tear, hoping he returns for week one. They also added Jalen Hyatt in the third round, um, who was like is blazing fast you know he can make any nfl team better so having those young rookies or young wide receivers to have good mentors in jameson crowder campbell darius slayton's another veteran in that room um that group as a whole is going to grow and uh just the health is going to keep them a lot more consistent while we're talking about the receivers which giants receiver finishes the highest Ugh. It's good. So Darren Waller doesn't count. Uh, no, Darren Waller here. will. Um, yeah. But I, I'm gonna throw it on a whim, and it's I'm going Jalen Hyatt um, just for the flash. But it's probably going to be Darius Slayton. I'd say Jalen Hyatt too. That's my hope. I do think Slayton has the easiest path to finishing the highest on the team. But Hyatt would be cool. Hyatt, um, he could have 40 catches all year but that could equate to 800 yards and six touchdowns. Yeah. So that's why I'm going to say him. the blazing speed. Um, Saquon Barkley led the team with 76 targets last season. Um, having Waller um, and more fortunate receiver health. Uh, I know they lost Sterling Shepard last year. They were injured at the position. Um, this would elevate um, above average target status for, I think, everyone in the offense. Yeah, Shepard is still with the Giants. He had a pretty ugly injury, though. Not sure how he's going to recover. Um, he could be he could be the lead receiver when it was an ACL, right? Yeah, 
I feel like there's season. Yeah, there was some more structural damage. He was 32. Mm-hmm. Uh, no spring chicken. I think that's his second ACL tier, too. I yes. don't know if it's the same knee, but let's go to the offense that uh we're all waiting to talk about. This is probably the most uh improved offense year over year. Uh, when considering how putrid they were last year, it's not gonna be that hard. Denver Broncos dead last in scoring under 17 points per game last year. And it was just an absolute disaster from the get go. Um, Tim Patrick injured in training camp, missed all season. KJ Hamler missed 10 games. Javante Williams lost for the season in week four. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Russell Wilson, all missed multiple games. Their cornerstone left tackle Garrett Bowles and their starting center missed the majority of the season. Issues within the team all around, uh, aside from injuries, Nathaniel Hackett, you know, I don't think he was dealt the best uh, set of cards, you know, when when I felt like I was talking for 10 minutes about that injury list. Um, but so Hackett and Russell Wilson weren't on the same page entirely. And Melvin Gordon was cut for playing future music in the locker room as well. Uh, throw all these issues out of the window. And I think it's much rosier skies. Was that true? I saw a rumor about it. I, I hope I want true. to believe it's true. Um, in my mind, it's true. I wouldn't blame him. Um, yeah, we detailed, uh, we detailed just how successful Sean Payton is as an offensive mind in last week's episode on coaching changes, which again, check out that episode. I know we've mentioned it multiple times so far in this podcast. Um, the Saints were top five in scoring um, nine out of the 15 years under Sean Payton. Crazy. Yeah. Tim Patrick was paid good money prior to his injury. It was a three-year $35 million deal. You don't pay a receiver that much. if He's not going to be on the field. Now that he'll be back, that adds another um, another option to take the top off the defense is that, is that is where he excels. Um, over 50 catches, 700 yards, and five touchdowns in his last two seasons in Denver. Yeah, there's a lot of talent in this offense. They added Samaji P. Ryan as well as their backup running back because um, Javante did suffer, not sure about Sterling Shepard's injury, but Javante did suffer a serious knee injury beyond the extent of the ACL. Um, so good insurance on him. Lots of talent. Unfortunate season last year. Much brighter skies for 2023. Now, who has a gloomy, doomy future next yeah, year? Yeah, let's change the pace here. Talk about offenses we think are going to fall off. Um, let's start with Tennessee. It's hard to be more future than they were last year. They were 27th in scoring and 30th in total offense. Um, Ryan Tannehill, uh, through battling injuries, missed five games last season. He's coming off his worst season as a Titan. Both him and Derrick Henry aren't getting any younger. Tannehill turns 35 next year and Henry turns 30 this season. It's an aging offense that already was not good last season. I'm not excited. Since the NFL AFL merger, and I think it's 1970, um, only 7% of running backs to have a thousand yard seasons have been aged 30 or older. I think Derrick Henry is an anomaly and can definitely include himself in on that list, but he does turn 30 in January not getting any younger. Eventually, that foot has to snap again, you know? It, it will. <laughs> um, but outside of Tannehill and Henry, that backfield, Traylon Burks and Chigozim Akonkwo, I'm hoping I pronounced that right. Um, but they were they are promising second-year receiving options. Um, did they add a rookie wide receiver? 
I don't, oh, I, I don't think. Ugh. I don't think. I'm really keep talking. I'll look at it. I don't really think they were. Um, but the passing game ranks near the worst, and with Burks and Onkonkwo um, being the top, the the leading options, I just don't think that's going to be enough of a catalyst, enough spark to make this offense any more valuable. Who they get? Colton Dowell, wide receiver out of UT Martin. Never heard of him. 222 over, 228 overall. Okay, so like a seventh <laughs> round pick, not going to make a big difference, might even be cut. Um, I literally have nothing else positive to say about this unit. Derrick Henry is going to be good by virtue of volume. Conquo could be a decent tight end to stream, 10-plus points in four of the last six games last year. You seem to be more into Traylon Burks than me. What are your expectations for him in year two? I think that if Tannehill's the quarterback, Traylon Burks will be a valuable fantasy asset. He'll be drafted. Like, I don't know where his ADP is right now. I haven't done any mock drafts. We plan on doing them after the draft has ended, which it next week, did. next week. Yes. Um, and we'll be able to get better information on this. But with Traylon Burks last year, I remember the game against the Packers. We saw Traylon Burks have a large performance, scored a touchdown. Um, and a big catch at the end of the game uh, to seal it. I like him. I like him with Brian Tannehill. I think he's talented. If he can stay on the field and Tannehill remains the quarterback, barring Will Levis uh, eating into that and taking over it all, I think that Traylon Burks will be valuable. If Levis takes over, I don't want Traylon Burks. So Burks last year in his rookie year, um, I don't even want to say like Robert Woods was a competitor for targets because he was very irrelevant. Um, but Burks had 33 catches and under 450 yards and only one touchdown. Just give some bullshit stat line for the second year receiver. What can you see being possible? Um, 900 yards, six touchdowns. And 60 catches. Yeah, that's, that's a decent. That's a decent wide receiver, three or four. And I think that's pretty conservative too. I think he has the potential for a thousand yard season if he stays healthy and Tannehill remains the starter. But I'm not going to be betting on that. Yeah, I don't see it personally. I don't. I don't want any piece of this offense. I don't even want Derrick Henry. Um, just Derrick the, Henry in the second round. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a gimme, but he's going to probably be a late first. He'll be late first at, round at the worst. I see. I mean, he he's coming off of a great season. Yeah. Um, he got better over the span of the season. He does that every year. End of the year, he just starts beating people up. Let's uh, briefly mention Green Bay. Like how we began this episode, uh, Green Bay is be, uh, experiencing a lot of inorganic negative growth. Uh, we talked about the quarterback changes uh, catalyzing New York Jets and the Saints offenses into next year. Well, taking the reciprocal of that, um, you can include Las Vegas as well on this list, but Green Bay is going to experience a drop-off mainly because of the quarterback transition from Rodgers to Love. You can hear about that in the previous episode, uh, again, with the quarterback changes. Next team. Yeah, Arizona. Now this team could also be mentioned as a quarterback change um, just because of Kyler Murray's injury it'll be, situation. It'll be scrambled. Yeah. Um, last season, 21st in touchdowns, um, 22nd in total yards. James Conner could be the only relevant fantasy piece in this offense um, as he benefits from volume, and I think he'll see a lot of that. His ceiling will be capped due to limited touchdown upside. 
Um, however, he has proven to be a workhorse in this offense, averaging 17 touches per game. Last year when he came back from injury, he was great. Um, yeah, this offense really struggled without Kyler Murray last year. Uh, just over 200 passing yards per game between David Blau, Colt McCoy, Trace McSorley, my guy, shout out to him. Scott Merritt. <laughs> Congratulations, Trace. <laughs> I know you're listening out there. Uh, but no, Kyler could miss like six games, maybe even more. Uh, he tore his ACL very late in the season. I think it was December. I don't think it was January quite yet. It was yeah. beginning of December. Um, so he's going to miss part of the beginning of the season. They have a new OC. We mentioned that in the coaching changes. Something blessing uh, quarterback coach from yeah. Cleveland Browns. Uh, don't really know much about him. So their quarterback is to be determined. But for now, the second string is Colt McCoy, who completed 68% of their pass attempts in 2022. Um, definitely dragging down the value of those wide receivers. Yeah, and DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is the most important thing to consider right now in the receiving core. Big question mark around Yeah, him. we don't know if he's going to be there. It doesn't seem like he wants to be. I think that he will be traded somewhere in the offseason, but we don't know yet. Thought it was going to be the Patriots, but it's seeming more unlikely now. Um, outside of Hollywood Brown, it is a mediocre wide receiver core, wide receiving core. Um, Greg Dortch, uh, Ron Rondale Moore. Um, Trey McBride at tight end, Zach Zachers. Yep. Um, so the ability to succeed in this offense will be limited outside of Hollywood Brown, who still will be limited in success. Um, there are rumors of the Cardinals tanking and having Kyler sit the entire season, uh, even when he becomes healthy. I don't know about that. I don't know either, but it's Arizona and they're always bad. So it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but that coupled with the debut of a defensive minded coach in Gannon, the outlook for the Cardinals offense seems bleak. Yeah, he comes from Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, I forget his name. Zach, maybe. Steve, Steve. Steve. Okay, cool. Um, but, yeah, defensive-minded coach. Uh, quarterback going to be missing part of the year. D-Hop might be gone equals boy. Yeah. <laughs> Staying in the same uh, division, the L.A. Rams, they were dead last in total yards last year, under 4,800 yards, um, pretty hard to do in the new 17-game format. 31st average yards per play, 4.1 yards per play. So on average, uh, they can pick up a first down in, in three plays, but uh, just barely. No room for error. There isn't much room for the Rams to get worse than last year. However, uh, just by the way their offense is constructed, I don't really want any of it um, now besides one guy. So Matt Stafford is aging. He has a back issue that was recurring last year, definitely hindered his performance. Um, Allen Robinson was traded away. Cooper cup is obviously uh, elite. I mean, he, he was on pace to finish as a wide receiver one last year, still a top fantasy option at his position. Obviously, want all a Cooper Cup, really consistent, uh, just the the centerpiece to that offense. But otherwise, I don't know if there's anybody that's rosterable in LA. Probably Cam Akers. Yeah, Cam Akers will be drafted, and he'll be useful because he's a starting running back. Um, but an issue with him is the Rams' offensive line ranked 25th in terms of run blocking in 2022. Not encouraging for a running back that tore his Achilles. 
Um, Cam Akers seems to have found his stride at the end of the 2022 season, posting three back-to-back 100-yard rushing games to end the year. Um, Akers will be a low-end RB2, high-end RB3, with very limited touchdown upside. Cup, of course, will remain a top-wide receiver option. I mean, last year he was on pace to break his 2021 record. Um in his, I think it was six game stretch that he played last year. Maybe he played ten. He ten, played oh, ten. ten games. Yep. I'll leave that. Um, so outside of those two, it doesn't appear anyone else will be worth drafting. Tyler Higby, yeah. maybe at streaming tight end. It was a low end tight end last year, yeah. tight end one. Um, it's not that this offense is really going to get worse than last year because they they can't. Let's be real. Yeah. It's just. Uh, like a couple other of these offenses like Tennessee it's their offenses that just aren't cosmetically designed for fancy output. Yeah. Um, let's finish this episode off with two offenses that we have uh, separate opinions on weak feelings of a fall off. Um, first team for me is new England. The Patriots rank middle of the pack in scoring uh, like 18th, I think last year. So not too shabby, uh, but eight of their 39 touchdowns were scored by their defense, their special teams. Uh, so their offense really didn't do Jack. Uh, they were 26 in total yardage last year as well. And the issue was Mac Jones, 14 touchdowns, 12 turnovers and 14 games last year. Not exactly a uh, fantasy juggernaut producing. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Engine, engine to the train. Uh, but so, Looking at the rest of their offense, Ramondre Stevenson, PPR stud. Uh, definitely finished as RB8 last year. Uh, very rosterable at the position. Going to be probably a low-end RB1 slash high-end RB2 again, just based off of his, his importance in New England's offense. James Robinson uh, signed over the offseason. He could be a sneaky good pick at the running back position. Uh, otherwise, turning over to their, their, their receiving core, Way too oversaturated. Don't want any slice of it. Now, Jacoby Myers and Juju Smith-Schuster finished back-to-back last year. Myers, a wide receiver, 28 as New England's uh, top option. Juju, wide receiver, 29 as one of Kansas City's many options. And you can look at this two ways. Juju goes up or Juju goes down. And I can understand the argument for both. And I'm on team down. I uh, Going from wide receiver committee, to wide receiver one rule, yeah, sure, that looks very pretty. But Juju was targeted five more times than Jacoby Myers last year, and three less or three more games, excuse me, with Patrick Mahomes, and had an equivalent finish. Uh, that's my spin of things. I don't think Juju is going to be as fantasy relevant as many are hoping, including you. I think that Juju rises. I think he's better than Jacoby Myers. Um, so why didn't he do better in more games with more targets from Patrick Mahomes? It's just the offense. Like, he wasn't targeted in the red zone. It was Travis Kelsey, and it was weird Jarek McKinnon plays. Anom- anomaly yeah. yeah, like, it was – the red zone is weird. So his, his touchdown upside was limited, um, just being in that Chiefs offense. He's, he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, Yak. Like, he, he, he bounces off tackles. He's a thick-bodied receiver. I think that he'll benefit from these short targets that the Patriots offense offers. Um, and I think he'll take a few to the house. I do think that he goes up a little bit. Um, they also drafted Keyshawn Booty out of yeah, LSU. Um, not much 
to say about him. I think that he'll be on the field. I don't know how valuable he'll be just based on Mac Jones's performance. I think it's uh, like Kansas City's offense. We talk about how it's a revolving wide receiver committee. There's a thousand receivers in there. New England is the same scenario. They have Kendrick Bourne, um, Tyquan Thornton, Devontae Parker, now Keyshawn Booty, and Juju Smith-Schuster, Hunter Henry, Mike Kosicki. They have so many receiving options that I don't think anybody is going to cement themselves above the rest, especially Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, uh, now to the other team that we kind of have a, a little bit of a disagreement on. You. Uh, um, you, yeah, sorry. We disagree together. Um, San Francisco 49ers. Um, they don't make much sense on this list to be a faller in offensive production, but I'm going to put them here just because I don't expect them to be as good as they were last year. Um, they put up the fifth most total yards in 2022. That was with Jimmy G the majority of the season and Brock Purdy to end the season. So Brock Purdy took over a machine that was running well, I, the way that I look at it. I wouldn't, I would not give him credit for what San Francisco was able to do when he took over. I think that they were already rolling. All um, hail Shanahan. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan, one of the best coaches in the NFL. Um, they were, again, one of the most prolific offenses due to their system. Um, the issue with San Francisco is they are lacking a QB at the moment. Lance hardly played in the NFL, and when he did in 2022, he played poorly, given it was a monsoon against the Bears. Um, he will be coming off of a broken foot that kept him out all season that he suffered in week two. Um, Brock Purdy filled the system QB role perfectly when Jimmy G went down. He threw for 1,347 yards, 13 touchdowns, and four interceptions. Um, those aren't stellar numbers, but they're also not bad numbers. It was, it was exactly what the offense needed given their situation. Purdy himself will be coming off of an elbow injury suffered in the NFC Championship game against the Eagles. Um, the Niners lost their stellar defensive coordinator, D'Amico Rines, who took over the head coaching job in Houston. And they also lost their QB coach this offseason. Um, if the defense is not as potent with their loss at um, defensive coordinator. The offense will be required to compensate for the defense's shortcomings. Um, I don't think it's apparent that Brock Purdy or Trey Lance will be able to compensate for what they may lose on the defensive end. Um, I think Christian McCaffrey will certainly be an RB1, if not the RB1. Um, however, the pass catchers do scare me a little bit. George Kittle, it's been the story of his career for the past few years. He'll have off and on great games. He'll, he'll, he'll start a streak. Um, he did very well with Brock Purdy. Um, however, Debo and Brandon Ayuk are very hit or miss as well. I'm not, I'm not high on either of them. I think Ayuk will offer a little more consistency as he did last season um, while Debo lost some of his rushing upside. I don't think this offense is going to be bad. I think it'll just disappoint outside of CMC. Uh, like, I, don't, I don't have much uh, retort uh, to that. Because, yeah, the quarterback situation is a little unsettling. And Brock Purdy's likely not going to be ready for the start of the season. UCL injury is very serious. Um, definitely going to miss a couple games. Um, but it's San Fran looking at their offense last year. Ayuk was like a mid-tier wide receiver, too. Debo was uh, tanking. He was like a low-end wide receiver three, and George Kittle was a, the tight end two, 
or maybe no, Hawkinson was two. Yeah, he was a tight end three then on the year. Um, so do I think those guys can get to where they were last year? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's nothing spectacular outside of CMC. Um, I guess it does all depend on the guy in charge, uh, a quarterback commanding the offense, but I think the value rests with Kyle Shanahan and I'm not expecting much of a drop off. Fair enough. I'm not going to argue it. I just think that they won't be as good as they were. Got a gut feeling. That's kind of how I am with New England too. Um, so there we go. There's like, I don't know, nine offenses, 10, 11, 12, something like that. A lot of, a lot of teams going up and down next year. Hopefully we can get ahead of the curve. Um, if you're drafting soon for whatever reason, take into consideration these impacts that these teams are going to have next year. And thank you for listening. <laughs>